Welcome to another edition of the Roar of the Lions UK podcast, episode 237, J-Mo, the Man of Steel. My name is Matthew Turner, alongside Ashley Soden. How are you, Matt? I'm doing all right. Feeling a lot better about the game after a bit of sleep and working on it. Well, I'll, I'll keep going to crumble up that little mouth fumble from you there. It's almost as bad <laughs> as the Derek Carr fumble yesterday. So, Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, blame blame the left guard, whoever that was. That James was a terrible... There we go. We'll get into that in just a moment. This is, of course, the Lions at Saints review show. Just going to get into a bit of preamble first. There's no news today so far. Dan Campbell, at the time of recording, is going to be going to the podium in about an hour and 20 minutes. So we haven't found out about any of the injuries or anything else like that as yet. So we will update you with that as soon as we hear anything, if we hear anything during the record. But we always start by talking about our Discord community. It's a fantastic place to spend your game day, but also just be all the way through the week. And we'll talk all sports all the time and everything else in between video games, gambling chat, all the sort of stuff in there. So if you want to join just a friendly group of people, link is in the chat right now. College Football Podcast is coming up later on this week. I know that Ant is working on that as we speak. And Ash... Not to open up old wounds, but I'm going to call them old wounds, even though it only happened yesterday. But the team are going to have to break down the massive news that the college football playoff committee have absolutely shafted um, a team that will go nameless. They're going to, yeah. All the all the homies hate the college football playoff committee right now. How the how do you keep an undefeated team out, especially in alertness? They put a higher state in when they'd be playing their third string quarterbacks. Why are you not letting a certain nameless team that I absolutely love not come in with their second string quarterback and one of the best defences in the league? All the homies hate the college football playoff committee. We're going to claim a national championship when we beat Georgia in the Orange Bowl. Yes, I, I know that Liberty are absolutely furious to have missed out. So uh... <laughs> Exactly. exactly. <laughs> and now they've lost their head coach because of it. There we go. Right. Uh, yes, so look out for... Ant and Ryan on that later on in the week. It's going to be a doozy as we find out what all of the bowl games are going to be. And then we're going to be turning our attention to the NFL draft. As now, of course, we're basically all done for college sports for the year for football. Uh, Don't forget to like the show, sub to the podcast, all that good stuff, rate, review, anything you can do. It really helps us out. Uh, Don't forget as well to add Lions Nation Unite on their Facebook group. It's Herman Moore's project to bring the best in Lions content places together. Facebook.com slash groups slash Lions Nation Unite. We're a Twitch affiliate. We're YouTube monetized. And there's a tip jar down below. So if you are enjoying what you're listening to and you want to show some appreciation in that form, that would be fantastic. It's just enough for you to be here listening to us. So that's all we need. And there's a feedback form down below as well. Click the link. And you can let us know what you'd like to see in content coming up. You can make some, you know, feedback, some suggestions, anything you want in there. 
Finally, we have got our merch store live. You can see the hoodie that I'm wearing right now, which I am biased, but I think it looks great. There is the cat that Ash is modeling right now. It's a great place to go for a Christmas present if you haven't done it already. Um, and obviously, it is a, a way of tipping us, but you also get something in return for your support. Thank you very much. Right. Lions at Saints. And I'm going to go through the stats, Ash, and then come to you just for a bit of high level takes before we go through the drive summary. And then we're going to summarize with a few game themes. We're going to give out some cigars and then briefly discuss some of Sunday's other games. And of course, if you are in the live chats, make sure to at ROTL underscore UK and get your questions in for the end of the show show. Right. Stats and Jared Goff for the Lions passing the ball. Only dropped back 25 times, completing 16 passes, 213 yards, two touchdowns, no picks in a relatively... Um, mistake-free day for him, which have been few and far between recently. Rushing the ball, they were led by Jameer Gibbs, who only had eight carries on the day. He got 60 yards, no touchdowns for him, but he did get a long of 36 yards, which went all the way down to two. David Montgomery did get on the stat sheet, 18 carries for 56 yards and a touchdown. And Jameson Williams got a rushing touchdown for himself as well. One carry for 19 yards and a score. So that totals 30 carries for 142 and two touchdowns on the ground. Receiving the ball, there was only one man ready to write home about, and his name was Sam LaPorta. Nine receptions on nine targets for 140 yards and a touchdown. A oddly down day by Amarasen Brown. Two receptions on six targets for 49 yards, but he did get himself a score on a fabulous play early doors. Saints on offense, Derek Carr was rolling yesterday. 17 uh, completions on 22 attempts, 226 yards of touchdown and a pick. James Winston came in in relief after Carr went down with injury. He went two of five for 41, no touchdowns, no picks. And Taysom Hill also had two throws, but no completions. Taysom did lead the team in rushing, 13 carries for 59 yards and a score. Alvin Kamara had 14 for 51 and two scores. The team did get over 100 yards, which marks, I think, the second times the Lions have conceded 100 yards on the ground this season. The Saints in the receiving game had Chris Olave to thank for a big day. Five of eight for 119. Alvin Kamara had six of eight for 58. And A.T. Perry chipped in one of three for 30. Carr did have a fumble, which was lost. It was uh, collected by Josh Pascal. And then otherwise, Raymond muffed a punt. And Ash, I do notice that ESPN have missed a fumble because the very first play of the game was a botched handoff between Ragnar and Goff, which was recovered by Sam Laporta, who had himself a day. But of course, apparently the first play of the game doesn't exist. So, if I, if, ah, I know what it is. I know what it was. I think it was a false start, potentially. And so it wiped it out. That's what it was. Anyway, let's turn to the defense. Jack Campbell and Derek Barnes led the team in tackles with nine apiece. Uh, there was two sacks, one by Romeo Aquara, one by Bruce Irvin. There were five other tackles for a loss, two by Jack Campbell, one by Derek Barnes, one by Quinton Mohanna, one by Aiden Hutchinson for New Orleans. They had two players with eight tackles apiece in Paulson Adebo and Nephi Sulu had himself a day. They had one sack that was by Zach Bourne and four other tackles for a loss, two by Nephi Sewell, one by Cam Jordan, one by Tano Spaxson. We'll call him that. Um, 
We did have one pick. It came on the very first uh, play on the game for the Saints on offense. Otherwise, Riley Patterson was perfect. Five from five. Blake Groupie for the Saints. Four from four. Those are your stats of the day. And Ash, what did you make overall of the game? Because the Lions got off to a hot, hot start. And then I would say managed the game, but it got nervy towards the end. Yeah, so you quite right. It said got off to a hot start, came out of the blocks, pumping three touchdowns in the first like, seven and a half minutes, roughly. Great to see. Then we tried to go into game management mode, put ourselves into like second gear to try and trundle along, manage the game, run the ball. And I know we're going to get onto it later, so I won't go too deep into the issues of family run game, but the run game wasn't working. We kept putting ourselves in bad situations, started punting the ball away, punting the ball away, and the defense could only hold on for so long. You can't, I know the Saints aren't the best red zone team in the world, but you give them some momentum, you don't properly defend Taysom Hill. You try and respect his arm when all he is is basically he's basically a glorified fullback in a way who can throw. He can throw, but not very well. So what do we do? We try and defend defend the pass and just let him constantly take the ball on QB draws and stuff. And then, but at the end, when we kind of needed to pull ourselves out of a hole, we did it. We won the game. That's all important. We've now won the NFC South. Not that that would be hard. Let's now focus on winning the NFC North. Yeah, it's one of those games that I think you do need to sleep on to get some perspective, because I think when we ended up winning the game, I was ecstatic that we won, but I was really disappointed in the manner that we did. You know, we got off to a, a 21 to nothing start, and then we proceeded to lose the remainder of the game 28 to 12. And it's like, oh, wow, that doesn't sound great. They did manage the game somewhat, and they were conservative in their play calling and I mean that with the greatest of respect but it didn't work what they were doing on offense for a large portion of the middle part of the game and instead of worrying about that too much they 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 didn't get outside of themselves to change much they just they they weren't as aggressive as I think they perhaps could have been and then maybe they were spooked by by what happened shortly after we went 21 to nil up so I will I will get on to that now. Let's let's talk about the drive summary. So the the Lions' first drive, as I said, the very first play, Ragnall Sewell, uh, Ragnall Goff, sorry, snap was was fumbled. Sam Laporta got back on it. There was a false start involved there, and then the first play, which took some proper stones, is the third and seven call. I mean, third play of the game, and we do what we do, which is just run the ball. It's not a draw or anything like that. We just run. <laughs> And Monty just goes straight up the gut and converts. He gets himself eight or nine yards on third and seven. It was it was a we're better than you sort of move, and I absolutely am here for it. Uh, play action pass then to Jamo, and roughing at the same time really helps. Uh, so that tacked on another fifteen. Gibbs then with one of the plays of the day, fantastic blocking up front, giving him a lane, but he slipped a couple of tackles, beating specifically Alonte Taylor as well, and ran all the way to the two of the Saints for a 36-yard game. And then Monty with some terrific blocking again up front, just walks in from that off-right tackle. Uh, PAT is good, and the Lions lead seven to nothing early. And then the first play for the Saints, interception. And Carr has a fine throw. 
There is absolutely nothing wrong with what he did. It wasn't behind the player at all. Pretty much exactly where you want to put it. Had lots of time to throw. Juwan Johnson, who is blocking on the left-hand side of the formation, comes around to the right and kind of gives himself as a sort of a check-down option. Car checks down to him. He pops up in the air. And Brian Branch, amazing coordination to get to the ball. He kind of picks up one-handed almost off the turf. It was very, very good. And that puts the Lions in position to score again. They start at the Saints 26, maybe. Ooh, can't remember now. I'll have to have a look. It was the... It was the 17. Uh, yeah. The 17. Uh, so then, second drive for the Lions, starting in the red zone, and a lovely, lovely fake toss throw um, to uh, Josh Reynolds. And by lovely fake toss, I mean the fake toss itself, not the throw to Reynolds, which actually missed him. But... It is understated how good Goff is, not just at play action, because he's one of the best play action quarterbacks. We know this already, but how well he sells some of his fakes and that fake toss he has down to a tease them several times this season. And he really commits to it. And I think it does help a lot. Uh, but he missed that one. But then on third and six, Sam Laporta with a really nice sort of angle route, he go motions from, uh, I think, in line to the right and then curls back round into the left. 13-yard touchdown, on-time throw, untouched. PAT is good, 14 to nothing for the Lions. And then they force the Saints to punt the ball. A nice tackle for a loss by Hutchinson and Jack Campbell. A PBU by Jalen Reeves-Mabin, of all people, on Alvin Kamara. Carr then throws it to A.T. Perry. And a fantastic PBU by Cam Sutton. The Lions are all over the place here, all over the Saints. They end up punting to the Lions 46 and then we take back over. Goff to Sam Laporta over the middle on a zone beater, kind of comes up the middle and then runs all the way across the formation to the right-hand side. That goes for 29 yards. And then the very next play to Sam, sorry, to Amon Rastant Brown in man coverage against a linebacker. Bourne has one shot to stop him. Doesn't get anywhere close on a slant. And it's a 25-yard touchdown. And Amon Ra doesn't get touched again. And the Saints are all at sea. That's 21 to nothing after the PAT is good. And it's a good time to stop here, Ash, and, and get your thoughts on this because we were only six minutes and 45 seconds into the game at this point, And the Lions are up 21 to nothing in absolute dreamland on both sides of the ball. Yeah, exactly. Like, admittedly, I didn't see that. But I tuned in roughly with the interception because of the usual stream problems, thanks to Zone and my tablet. Um, but Great, just a great start, as you say. Even defense, like offense, was humming. Okay, yeah, the missed uh, miss throw to Reynolds. Everyone knows JMO was open underneath. The play kind of was designed to go to him, and Goff chose Reynolds instead, which is fine. It was Reynolds was also open. It was a deeper option, just overthrew him a bit. Nothing too wrong there. But I know everyone. Even I said when I said it, I was like, oh yeah, Dominic Sunday, so Monday morning quarterback it. Offense was just firing and it put away a couple of the concerns everyone had the past couple of weeks where we were a bit slow. We weren't really getting that much in offense. We came out firing here and the defense was doing its thing. Like Brian Branch, pretty, I know, slightly different circumstances and obviously ended pick six, but pretty similar to his pick six against Mahomes to open the season. Really good play from him. The, uh, the PBU by Germ. 
that's one of the reasons I want I I was happy with re-signing him in the offseason, not because of the special team stuff, which he obviously did. Like at this point, he had two decent special teams tackles. It comes out and plays on defense as well, shows that sort of athleticism he has on special teams translates into defense and being able to cover Hutch and Jack firing on the TFL. Just every just everything was going so well. And Obviously, at this point, I was joking, oh, yeah, we're going to do Miami Dolphins. We're going to put 80 down on them. That wasn't to be, as we'll come on to. But for starts, couldn't have access for much more, really. Yeah, it was a ridiculous passage of play. Like, the Saints ran four plays, I think, in this stretch. We ended up losing the time of possession as well, which lets you know how much it flicked around. But... They looked all at sea when we were on offense. Like, it just looked like the scripted players we have just matched their defense to a T. We had their number. The offensive line was getting such push up front. And I don't think I've ever seen our coverage be quite so good. I Cam Sutton just was on AZ Perry for that throw. Jalen Ruiz may have been tracking Alvin Kamara like he knew that was going to be the play that came out of it. And I don't know, it kind of disappeared after half time but the defense in this, especially this first passage play was just excellent and long may that continue and um, it can be perhaps a training exercise because i don't know what happens obviously people talk about the saints adjustments but i didn't see any saints adjustments if i'm frank i think it was just the energy level dipped pretty considerably we, pretty quickly we i think we did your least favorite thing for defenses to do in games we went to a bit more soft zone and it had it and it showed, as we'll come on to in a minute. <laughs> yeah, right. Let's crack on with the rest of this. We'll go all the way, not quite to the half, because there were so many possessions. But Saints third possession, and the Lions keep rolling. Campbell and Hutch, they join at the hip in this first couple of possessions with another lovely TFL, joint TFL on Alvin Kamara. And then the Bruce Irvin sack. He uh, comes off the right end, uh, beating the left tackle, I said off right tackle when I was talking about Ramchek, but it wasn't. Irving came off right end. Um, and he speed rushed someone. Just, <laughs> that was incredible. And then the the punt is muffed, but recovered by Khalif. Uh, then the Lions on their fourth possession. Play action check down for a loss to Monty. It was ill-advised. The check down wasn't there. He was almost being covered behind the line of scrimmage and he threw it to him anyway. The... Another throw on second down was got to Amon Rasen Brown. And still on replay, I can't see whether it was on target and Amon Rasen Brown kind of fingered it so that Adebo couldn't pick it or whether it just went straight to Adebo's hands. But he had a chance to pick it. And then on third down, Zach Bourne sacks Goff around Sewell. That's Sewell's first sack given up this season. And it's a lovely rep. I mean, if you think that you like James Houston... It's worth watching this rep again because he just kind of bends around the corner, gets underneath Sewell's elbow, and it's a, a lovely, lovely rep. Uh, punt then comes for the Lions and a tackle by Jalen was made in. I mentioned that just because we will keep saying his name. Saints fourth possession and Hill starts to become a factor here. Beat one tackle and almost went all the way. Really big gain on the ground for him. Great tackle by John Kaminsky, who was playing left end on the rep, but he was chasing back and just caught him by the ankle. Without that, we could have been talking about a Taysom Hill 70-yard touchdown or something. Uh, a subsequent 
plays in this drive. Nice run tackle by Josh Pascal. And then Carr misses A.T. Perry high, and they end up punting into the end zone from around midfield. Lions pick it up, and a golf quick throw to Amon Rasen Brown was broken up out of the line by Carl Granderson. So this was just a quick swing pass, and that's the sort of thing where if you get that wrong, it's going to be a pick six all day because he's the furthest person forward, and Granderson almost had it. So that's the second time Goff's almost picked in the next two drives following our three scores, and I think that might be the thing which spooks the Lions a little bit. Uh then Goff just missed Reynolds again, just out of reach on third down, and the punt was almost blocked. Flags on the return set them back after they actually had reasonable field position. End of the first quarter comes here. I'll stop here before we go all the way to the half in the third part of this first half. Ash, we scored 21 points, and the defense keeps performing here. But the offense just has some mishaps. Goff with a bad decision, throwing to... Uh, Montgomery trying to throw to Amaras and Brown almost picked missing Reynolds kind of went off the boil a little bit yeah and you made a very good point there at the end saying that might have been what spooks the offense to sort of go conservative start running sort of game control running the ball but the Saints then predicted it as we'll come on to the Saints predicted it happening they were already starting to stock, stock, uh, stock the box a bit sort of stop the runs forces to go outside Played into their hands a bit, unfortunately. But same time, the defense was still doing its thing. I know Taysom Hill had his nice run from Wildcat. Very good. But Kaminsky showing up. He's been kind of quiet the past couple of weeks. So it's nice to see him sort of making a nice play. And then Josh Pascal just coming to the fore. Like he's had a few, a few good weeks. And it's sort of the next step on that progression. He's becoming more and more of what. I think the staff were hoping for when they drafted him in the second last year. He's starting to get there now, and that's really nice to see because I was kind of wasn't too high in. I don't want to say I'm too high in Pascal coming out. I liked the pick, perhaps would have liked some players more, but I could see the thing, and I had faith in him, and it's starting to bear fruits now. And even then, yep, Carr just doing his thing, overthrowing AT Perry, getting someone coming out this year from Wake Forest. He got some targets. Obviously, with Alave being on a sort of pitch count in a way of his concussion and no one else being there to throw to, it's good coverage. But this was the sign, like, I think after that overthrow, Carl was pretty much on point for the rest of the day. So that that sort of drive, those two drives there where Carl misses uh, A.T. Perry and then Goff has the couple of bad plays, this is where the game sort of started to turn a bit. The worms started turning slightly. And as you'll see, as we're going to go on to, starts building upon itself and we start losing control of the game despite trying to go into game control. Mm. Uh, Dan Pask says he thinks that the knee dislocation spooked some players. And I do think that might have played yeah, true, yeah. on some minds. I think that happened about this sort of time in the game. I'm trying to find out exactly it, when it happened. It was. Um, it wasn't this. It's the next play we're going to discuss with... Yeah, so it was a horrifying incident. It looked for all the world like a broken leg. It delayed the game by about 10 minutes or so when they were just trying to sort out the the member of the chain gang. Thankfully, it wasn't a broken leg, but a dislocated knee is is nothing to write home about. So, oh, sorry, nothing to write home. Is some that that is not as bad. It wasn't as bad as a broken leg. Like, but it's serious. 
exactly. It's still serious, exactly. Like I've had enough. I've had enough of seeing nasty leg injuries over the past couple of weeks. Can we just stop it now in sports? Can we? Just, can I just have nice, healthy stuff for the rest of the season? Like, okay, we also did see that as we'll get onto in a bit. Derek Carr get a concussion and a broken rib at the same time because that's supposedly what's happened to him, according to Dennis Salmon today. We'll get onto ouch. that in a bit because yeah. that's an ouchie. But yeah. Just that was horrific to see. I know me and you were both feeling a bit ill seeing that. Oh, I felt you. very sick. Yeah. And thank you to Fox for doing the right thing and not showing replays of it. Unlike a certain other news network that showed another leg injury a couple of weeks ago, seven times throughout the rest of the coverage. Yeah, not fun. Anyway, we were speaking about that rep and it was Alvin Kamara running for about a gain of two or three yards, and Tracy Walker just escorts him out of play. Doesn't push him into the man at all. He's just carrying his momentum and goes into a member of the chain gang. Huge hit by Jack Campbell on a Taysom Hill quarterback run for only one yard. And you can see that Taysom shook out his boot. So, I mean, it's a big hit by Jack. I'm, I'm absolutely here for that. And on a day where the Lions struggled to contain Taysom Hill, that was exactly the sort of play we needed. On third and 11... A false start play sets him back to third and 16, but here's where the game started to change. Derek Carr scrambles and an amazing 29-yard throw, 280 Perry. It was a cover two-beater. You had Cam Sutton as the corner, Tracy Walker as the safety. And, I mean, the play had plenty of time to develop with, with, uh, with Carr dancing around back there, but he eventually got to his spot. AC Perry, not the fastest man in the world, very tall, and Carr with a delicious throw, stepping up in the pocket away from pressure. And that was just the start of something for them pretty much all the way through the game until until he got injured, Derek Carr. Another good tackle by Jack Campbell on Hill for a one-yard gain, and another Campbell tackle on Alvin Kamara. Carr with a lovely link-up on third and nine to Chris Olave. It was his first reception versus Kirby in man coverage. Hard assignment for Kirby Joseph against Chris Olave. Uh, another nice tackle on Alvin Kamara, this time by Liam McNeil, but then a nine-yard touchdown with Jimmy Graham, only his one of two snaps in the entire game. He shook Tracy Walker out of his boots, just a little outside one step and then up. And Walker bought that he was going in the flat. Like, all ends up. It was a pitch and catch by Derek Carr to him. Jimmy Graham celebrating is just a, a scene I never want to see in the NFL ever again, please, and thank you. PAT is good, 21-7 to Detroit. Lions then, of course, get the ball back, needing to perhaps put some more points on the board just to solidify their position. And a third and two pass in the flat to Sam Laporta for a gain of one. If you're going to call a short pass on third and two, at least throw it at the sticks, for God's sake. Punt and a fourth Special teams tackle by Jaden Reeves Maven. Sent and come back. And on third and three, Carr has a speed option uh, to Alvin Kamara. So he comes out looking like he's going to run and then pitches it out. Uh, and Jerry Jacobs got up quickly to slow down Kamara. And he was cleaned up by Derek Barnes about a yard short of the sticks. They end up punting. Lions then come out. Monty in the Wildcat doesn't work. He loses one yard. Goff then with a great set of completions to Sam Laporta over the middle on second and 16 and third and six for a first down over the middle of the field. Goff then with a fantastic throw to Amon Rasen Brown in a tight window for 24 yards. You can see the mic almost getting there with a hand, the cornerback trailing just behind Amon Ra about a yard, but Goff 
just fit it in there lovely. You can see those so often go for picks, especially when Goff's not been on it. And the fact that Goff feels he like he's confident enough to make that throw after the last couple of weeks just shows you how resilient he is. Uh, end around to Khalif Raymond for nine yards. I completely forgot that the Lions ran an end around before they ran a reverse. So that was delicious to watch the second time around. Goff then uh, on a rep stays alive on second down and goal and throws to Amarasant Brown in the end zone, goes incomplete. Amarasant Brown and the cornerback, who I think was Paulson Adebo, were both uh, very much in each other's grill, really trying to physically hold each other off. It was it was either DPI and OPI once, or to let him play. Either way, Amon-Ra couldn't haul it in one-handed. Good throw by Goff. Only Amon-Ra could have a go at it, given the position. Although a weaker wide receiver might have given up a pick there. So fortunate that it was Amon-Ra he was throwing to. And then on third down, Goff pressured again up the middle. And he missed both Amarasa Brown and DPJ. He did that awful Goff thing where he spins out of pressure. But he's got plenty of time to throw when he actually does spin out and doesn't have to throw it as urgently as he thought he did. And manages just to thread the needle in between both players, which is really unfortunate because that could have been easily a touchdown. As it is, fourth down, and the Lions take a chip shot 26-yard field goal to make it 24-7. to And the Saints kneel down there, Ash, the Lions defense continues to do really good things. Even on the Saints touchdown drive, they me- really made them work for it. There are some really big moments in there, especially Jack Campbell, but also um, we had Aline McNeil with a good rep. We had, uh, I think, oh, someone else had a really good rep there, but I can't remember who it was now. Um, but then otherwise, the Lions obviously had a really good possession to end the half. And they had plenty of time on the clock and managed to bleed it really, really well. I remember saying to you, there's no point in scoring a touchdown here only for the Saints to score another one back. I'd rather take three by killing the entirety of the clock. And yeah. um, We had the chance for the touchdown. They did exactly what the doctor ordered by making it a three-score game at the half. Exactly, yeah. Like I appreciated the Monty Wildcat considering about 12 hours early, well, 12, 18 hours early, I was watching Wildcat plays be an absolute offense for a team. And it does work when it gets going. Just look at Taysom Hill. But and then the throws to Goff and uh, to Sam that There were some good plays in there for us. But as you say, yeah, we scored, we did what we needed to on last last drive, burned down the clock, got some points, made a free score game. But you could tell on def- uh, on our defensive side that the Saints were starting to wake up, especially us. Uh, obviously, they scored on a drive. Jimmy Graham getting his legacy touchdown. I agree. If that's his last ever touchdown in the NFL, fair enough. But for Tracy to be beat like that, this is not 2015 Jimmy Graham to talk about. It's 2023 Jimmy Graham. Like the dude's been in out, or like been retired already, and to come out for the Saints, it shouldn't be beaten like that. Like just kind of shows as much as we love Walker. There's a reason why he wasn't the start to open the season. What it was, CJ, GJ, and Kirby. We love uh, Tracy for his run defense and that. Sometimes he can get beat heavily in coverage, and that was just one of those times. Matt Kirby and man coverage in Alave, that's a mishmash in the favour of the Saints. Again, Kirby's having a bad couple of weeks. Kind of bounced back a tiny bit here today. I know we had that, he has that pass breakup we'll probably discuss in a bit. It's just one of them. And then the big play, obviously, was the third and 16 scramble for Carr and the throw to AT Perry. He just found the hole in the zone, sat there, and Carr put it up there. Like, they were starting to wake up. And that was the scary thing because we're like, okay, 
offense is starting to grow into a halt here. We need to keep grinding out the points and we just couldn't. That was why going into the half, slowly but surely, we're getting back to that cliff edge again where we were back into Bears' situation, Packers' situation, Ravens' situation where there were some worrying signs and it was they were starting to blink at you now. So it was... It, but at the same time, as you say, we did what we need to do. We went in the half up. That's all we could really ask for, I guess. And then... Coming into the third quarter, everyone knows it's not exactly the Lions' favourite time of the game ever. And the Saints have the ball to start the second half and they come out firing. An amazing PBU by Kirby on Chris Olave. Did he get there early? Well, I'll tell you now, it wasn't a bang-bang play. Kirby definitely was there early, but it wasn't called. Thank you, refs. Uh, Josh Pascal then with a great tackle on Alvin Kamara. Taysom Hill with a good catch, beating Brian Branch across the formation. In fact, Branch is on a bit of a hiding to nothing on this play because Taysom Hill comes from the left-hand side of the formation, cuts across to the right, not unlike the Sam LaPorta play in the first half. And both coverage linebackers take the running back in the flat. It's a bit of a bust. And Branch, who is, you know, maybe a um, optimistic 190, 195 pounds coming up against Taysom Hill, is not the best matchup you could ask for and it shows in that rep as, Bar- as uh, Branch tries to take him low but it doesn't work uh, nice tackle for Alonso by Derek Barnes on Hill and then on third and 12 one of the plays of the game by Chris Olave so he's running a corner route and Derek Carr it's a really poor throw massively underthrown uh, Alave should potentially be walking in for a touchdown. As it is, Alave has to contort his body and just about picks it up, and he ends up sliding along the turf. Touchdown by Jerry Jacobs at the two-yard line. His body control is unreal. Alvin Kamara ends up finishing off for a touchdown. PAT is good, and suddenly it's a 24-14 ball game, and it's made more difficult when the Lions go three and out in the next possession. Saints come back on their eighth drive and carve with a play-action pass to Alave for 30 yards to start this drive. Then a play-action pass to Foster Moreau. Uh, it's a naked bootleg. We always seem to bite on this play. And I mean, I know that we did it with Goff a few times earlier on in the year, and we get teams to bite on it too. So it's not like we haven't seen it before on the other side. But when the shoe's on the other foot, it's hard to swallow, I have to say. And the check down to Moreau, I mean, on the run, and he gets himself 20 or so yards as well. And then Kamara somehow slips through, stumbling for nine yards. Like, Kamara, for all the world, looks like he's down after a yard and manages to just keep his knees off the turf and keep going and gets himself eight or nine. Taysom Hill and quarterback draw touchdown from the half-yard line. PAT is good. And suddenly, after all of that, it's 24-21 Detroit. Lions in desperate need of some points, and they get some. Play-action boot to Brock Wright for eight yards. Play-action throw to Sam LaPorta. Blown coverage by the Saints for 48 yards down the right-hand sideline. Fantastic play by the Lions. Um, and then the play calling just went conservative from the 14-yard line. They didn't look like they were going to make any sort of progress at all. On third and six, they ran it. Two, fourth and four. Tried to draw them offside. Contentious as to whether it would have given you a first down or not because it was at the eight needing four. It would have been a matter of inches either way. Uh, either way, they didn't get drawn offside. So you take the delay a game. A 32-yard field goal is good. Lions go up by six at the end of the third. Ash, they call it the third quarter. 
Dan Pask asks, why do you think we keep having third quarters? Well, the Saints won this quarter 14-3. to We did score, albeit right at the end of the quarter, um, but we went three and out. Otherwise, we only had that other possession where we got a field goal. So we only had two drives on offense. But on defense, there were some good plays in there. You know, there was... Pascal with a tackle one on Alvin Kamara. Kirby, is it a good play or not on Alave? Not sure. But no matter what we did in the sort of little good individual plays we had, we couldn't sustain three good plays all in a row to force a punt. And at the end of the day, Derek Carr, even when the throw to Alave is bad, he gets bailed out by some spectacularly good receiver play. Exactly, yeah. It was... They had a really good that drive coming out of the half was just really good. Like I know, obviously we had the uh, really good Kirby PBU, but that's because he got beat and he got there early. That's the only reason he could do it. He got beat deep, and it was that's worrying. Of course, Pascal another great tackle, but it's just there were little things coming out the half. We weren't fully out the half. I think it just allowed the Saints to slowly but surely drag themselves back into it. Then we give the free and out. I don't know what it is about the play calling coming out the half. You'd think because we scripted such a good opening script for the first half, we'd be able to come up with such a good, uh, a similarly good script for the second half. I'm not calling for another 21 points all in one go, but just some plays that can actually get yardage. Free and out, momentum killer, especially since then they come out, get some good plays again, and suddenly we're, it's a free, it's a one score game. And then, obviously, yeah, we get some points in, but it's still a one-score game. At that point, we need the offense to wake wake back up. And as you say, they just went, they get close. They turned into the Saints, who just went very conservative and we kicked field goals. It was almost as if when we got that 21 points, we suddenly switched, like, this, it was like some, like, space jam thing where they suddenly got the essence of us because they were scoring touchdowns and we were just kicking field goals in the red zone. We became the Saints of this past season. We had the obviously TJ and saying about the identity. They just don't know what didn't know what to do in the red zone before last yesterday. Suddenly they could score at will in the red zone and we were kicking field goals. It was not good to see. And we need really did need a wake up call on one on the offense because the defense was doing the best it can it could. But the offense was just going back to it where they were just putting the defense straight back out, but they didn't get a chance to breathe. So yeah, I mean, just to list out the plays that happened after that massive Sam Laporta play for 48 yards. So you start at the New Orleans 14 at first and 10. David Montgomery, right guard for one yard. Uh, Jameer Gibbs, right end, push out of bounds for four yards. Third and five, David Montgomery, right guard for one yard. Fourth and four, delay of game, field goal. I mean, it's a condensed area of the field. You've lost Frank Ragnall. Uh, updated for the game after first down and 10 here, but he was already not in. You had Colby Sawstall in there. And I, I recognise that you said he's a better run blocker than he is pass blocker. And maybe that's why they were doing this. I don't know. But you've got a, a run game that's been completely shut down. Uh, well, I guess at this point it's the, it's the second drive of the, of the uh, second half for us. But the run game has not worked massively well. The pass game seems to be fine. And they go run, run, run in the red zone. Why? Exactly. And it's, well, to go even further too deep into it, right guard, right guard. We were running it between the tackles. 
when the Saints were putting like eight men in the box. I know, okay, we had the Jameer Gibbs right end pushed out of bounds, but I think he bounced out inside himself. We just kept trying to call inside bun stuff and it just wasn't working. One of the things we need to do is I know it's kind of stealing from one of the points I was going to say later in sort of the themes of the game. Why would we keep running it inside when you can see the boxes packed? Don't we have any, or even Goff, don't we have any plays where you can audible to an outside zone like you did with the uh, the 75-yard Montgomery touchdown? You can see, you should be able to, it's one of the first things a quarterback or an offensive lineman who's looking at the protection should do. You should count the hats in the box. If you have ace or that in there, don't run it inside because yes, you've got a good offensive line. Sawstill's a good run blocker getting there in pass protection. Don't put yourselves in that situation. Call outside stuff where you can use the great blocking tight ends and uh, wide receivers we have to do stuff. Or call passes that go outside. Use those one-on-ones you're now suddenly getting on the outside and use it to your advantage. We just didn't. That's not what we want to see from an offense that's supposed to be by reputation and by Ben Johnson's reputation. Top 5-10 offense in the league to suddenly just go, Inside run, inside run, inside run, 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 pass, run, run, pass. We went back to the old ways that Baron Bevel, Jim Bob Cooter days and thought we left us way in the past. We have supposed to be this new offense that can do a load of things. We just didn't until obviously later. This certain yeah. play that we'll get onto in a sec. Yeah, in just a second. So the Lions have scored that field goal is 27 to 21. It's the end of the third quarter, but it feels inevitable given what's happened to start this second half. The Saints are going to go down, score a touchdown, kick the extra point and be a point ahead. First play of the next Saints drive is a botched snap recover by Josh Pascal. The left guard is pulling to block on the right-hand side. So he gets a big swing of the arm away to his, so he can get off his, his block pretty quick to try and get outside the big swing of the arm punches the ball out like it's really funny if you guys want to laugh um not for Derek Carr but never mind so the Lions do great to get on it I think there were three or four of them actually around it first before a Saints guy got there but it only took the Lions two plays from there to get a touchdown and it really flips the script and the, the the way things work for the rest of the game I think so Gibbs runs off right tackle to the New Orleans 19, uh, breaking a tackle to do so. So second down and three. And having done the end around, they call an end around the other way to Raymond, who then pitches it to Jameson Williams on the reverse. And blocking's fantastic, but Saul doesn't even get there, Jamo's running so fast. And he ends up Superman diving into the end zone. I will say I don't want to see that too often, just because I've seen so many people land on the head, which he did. He landed on his head get concussed through that, and we can't afford to not have Jameson Williams on the field. Regardless, Lions score a touchdown, and up 12, they decided to go to for two to make it a 14-point a game. Ended up being no good. It was well covered. He ended up trying to throw to Amaros and Brown in the corner of the end zone. No chance, really, for that one, but never mind. Saints 10th drive, and they need desperately to score points in a hurry now. And a sack by Romeo Aquara, and I will never tire of saying that as long as he's a member of the team, leapt into the air while Carr was trying to get rid of the ball to prevent the pass. So Carr had to hold it as he was advancing, and he managed to get him just here, 
just above the nameplate and ended up going, nope, not there, and transitioned down. So he avoided actually having some sort of horse collary, um, unnecessary roughness or roughing the passer sort of penalty. It was an intelligent play by an intelligent football player. Um, so we got the sack. We set them back on third and 16, I think it is. Carr then driven into the turf by Bruce Irvin. We'll get onto this in just a minute. It's a beautiful rep by Bruce Irvin to beat his man that side again. But he ends up picking Carr up, driving him into the turf. Um, it is called, of course, roughing the passer to dismay of some of the people who are watching the game along with us. We'll get onto it in a minute. Um, the Saints themselves then bring on, uh, I was going to say Taysom Hill. They did for the next rep. But then it was Jameis Winston, or if you're watching the show, Jameson Winston. Um, P.O. PO casted it as well. I was listening to it as I'm walking <laughs> home. And I can see here them doing it. I'm like, I've infiltrated. <laughs> I love it. Um, so they ran an end around of their own to Bowden, but it went for a huge loss. It was diagnosed very easily by the Lions in the backfield. I think it might have been, I can't remember who did the tackle in the end. Was it Quinton Bohanna? It oh. was. Uh, why can't I remember? I get there before you, but I'm, I'm having to open it up on a... Uh, it was Quinton Bohanna. So a loss of 10 yards on second down and three, and that really killed the drive for them, uh, or it should have done, but it didn't because Jameis Winston throws a poor ball is going straight to Jerry Jacobs' hands. Could be a pick six. A fantastic play by uh, uh, Brian Branch, who doesn't know that Jerry Jacobs is in perfect position to make the pick. He gets a diving tip on the ball, and it goes straight into Chris Olave's hands. Of course, the Chris Olave that Jerry Jacobs was man-marking, who he then ended up leaving to go and make the pick. So, of course, Olave, man Olave manages to catch it and gets himself all the way down to the two. So we set them back with a huge tackle for a loss. James throws a poor ball. We should be going further ahead. And instead, Alvin Kamara runs in from that distance for a touchdown. PSU's good. And suddenly, it's a five-point ball game again. Lions on offense then end up going three and out. And this is disaster territory now. Seven minutes to go. And the Lions are less than a whole score ahead. So we could be losing this now. And this ended with a couple of plays I really hated. Goff with a play-action running back screen for a loss of six. Uh, I think that was to um, Jameer Gibbs. And you can see that Gibbs has a man basically in his face, ready for that play, and he gets blasted as soon as he catches the ball. It was uh, one of a few times where we've tried to run similar sorts of plays, whether they be um, swing passes, play-action, running back dump-offs, all that sort of stuff. None of it worked, and we know we're good at defending this stuff. Well, why are we good at defending this stuff? Why are the Saints good at defending it? Because they all come easy. and they, they prioritise similar things. So it didn't work. And then on third down and 10, I think it is, uh, Goff scrambles upfield, escaping pressure, throws on the run to David Montgomery, and it's a wobbly ball, but Monty drops it at the sticks. And I mean, you should not be dropping anything like that. It was an absolute dolly and he put it down. So the Lions end up punting. And the Saints have an opportunity to win the game here. And they start off with two great plays. Kamara 
up the middle for 11. We just about haul him down and then down the right-hand sideline for 17-yard gain. And then good tackling on a quarterback draw for Taysom Hill. And then Winston misses Olave right in the center of the field. He's all on his own. And it's just a bad throw. That was at the Detroit 40 if he'd caught that ball. So it would have really put the pressure on the lines at that point. Winston then misses Alvin Kamara versus uh, Tracy Walker in coverage. Tracy is there putting pressure on, but he's not actually touching Kamara at all. He's not competing. It's just a poor throw and a drop. And then on fourth and six, Winston under pressure misses a larvae again for a turnover on downs. 2.56 left in the game then. Lions are five points up. Can they kill the game? Yes, they can. Play action pass. Nice PBU by Paulson Adebo on Amaras and Brown. Questionable as to whether they should be throwing it there. But their faith in the play, in the uh, passing game paid off. Firstly, a third and eight pass to Sam Laporta for 10 yards in tight coverage. They then cycle through first and second downs with the Saints burning timeouts on third and nine. You convert for a first down, you can nil things out at this point. And a play-action pass. And on third and nine, in this situation, a lot of teams will be running the ball. So even though it looks like an obvious passing situation at any other time in the game here, it's not quite obviously run, but it's definitely, uh, it's almost an expectation you might run there to burn the final time out. It would have left about a minute and 20 seconds on the clock for the Saints. But we went play-action pass. And Goff was under big pressure on this rep. Has a step up in the pocket. Again, not unlike the one that Monty just dropped. But instead of opening up his body and throwing to the right, he kind of Superman dives himself forwards and kind of pitches the ball ahead to Sam Laporta, who picked it up almost off his toenail. Uh, sorry, not Sam Laporta, to Josh Reynolds, sorry. Almost off his toenails. Fantastic catch. Gets beyond the sticks. I think he calls it about a yard shy. Gets over. Then the Lions can take Neil Downs. That's the ball game. Ash, this period of play in the fourth quarter was really interesting because the Saints were continuing to drive and everything changed because of the Bruce Irving play on Derek Carr. Um, following that, obviously, well, before that, you had the, the JMO touchdown. After that, you had Taysom uh, being defended well and you had Jameis Winston missing throws. But when the push came to shove, Lions offense got it done and, and killed the game. Yeah, so great. This is one of the examples of when I keep saying about some of the stuff in the first half, setting up for later. As you said, that end around to Khalif earlier that got nine yards, set up the JMO play. You just build stuff off it and it worked to perfection. And I know Ant's put it in the Discord earlier about how how far could you think you could run between JMO getting the ball and scoring? And I'm like five, ten yards, like that dude is quick, like 4-2 speed, and it showed on that play 28, 20.8 uh, miles per hour. He's the only player to average like over 20 uh, 20 miles per hour on at least 25% of his touches since like 2018 with a minimum of 10 touches. That's mad. Like this dude had speed. He's finally works out the intricacies of maybe making it hard for him early in the season. It's time to start integrating him more into the game plan, in my opinion. As much as we love Khalif, start giving Jamo a few more of those kind of Khalif routes and that. A few more of these end arounds, just design touches just to get the ball in his hands and see what he can do. And then on defense, Steffi say, Romeo, great play by him. I know, obviously, you're you're the president of his fan club. You're the only person in existence to own a Romeo Okara jersey. Great for you. 
and then Bruce Irvin just, but then Bruce Irvin just decides, you know what? I know I'm not much long for this league. I'm 36. I'm a practice squad. I'm getting elevated. I'm not much for this league. It's time for me to follow the uh, Rob Gronkowski career path. I'm going to put my audition tape out there for the WWE and just body slams Derek Carr. So much so that Derek Carr gets a concussion, a broken rib and an ankle injury all on the same play. This That's like he's playing like, like people might remember it, black breaker football, which is sort of like a version of Madden, except for the whole point on defense in that is you're supposed to go and like break as many of the opponents, but bones as you can. He decided he was playing that instead of Madden. Funny at the time, obviously don't wish to, uh, or wish Carwell. It's his second concussion in a month. Hopefully he can get over it because he was seemingly really some good corner in this game. Hope he can get back to it just for the Saints fans help uh, health because they're, got a lot of money invested in him and if he doesn't come back right get fucked but we still after that we have this bit of a setback tackle floss and Bowden end around really done play for them then they get a stroke of luck with the tip I'm sure Jerry doesn't hold anything against Brian just him trying to make a play it happens and then the play call and again like I don't know like screens work if you do them occasionally, if you keep doing them, teams going to sniff them out. And that's what happened to us. Like, Nephew Saul just knew it was happening. He was there already, just tackled Gibbs. Like, it was... But as you say, we're obviously at this point, I'm in dire stretch. I'm like, oh, here they come. We're going to get a last-minute score. We're not going to have enough time on the board to score. And then Jameis does Jameis' thing. As much as I love him as a college quarterback and what he did for my team, in the throws, he hasn't been as good, and he just did what his things. He just throws before the players open, like to the point of not even anticipatory. He's just like, "Oh, I think you're going to be open. I'm going to throw it at you." Alave and both the misses wasn't even like finishing his route yet. wasn't fully open. Winston still threw it, and that's what cost them. Like he is a high volatility backup. We have probably the best kind of backup with Teddy where you know what you're getting from him. He might not have the explosive games that Winston can give you, but at the same time, he's not going to do dumb shit. Winston did dumb shit. You, they, they, all they needed him to do was stay in the pocket, settle a bit, hit receivers when they're open. He decides to try and do a bit of hero ball and it failed for him. And as you say, yep, yeah, the conversion, I know you were saying, oh, you don't want us to throw it. I was like, I, as soon as we went to that further nine, I was like, we're going to throw it here. I've seen it before. And over the past year or so, we've gone from being a team that kind of missed those to now being able to convert them because almost a year ago, pretty much, with like an added week, there was that situation with the Bills where we needed a third down conversion to get in field goal range to potentially ice the game. Goff throws it to DJ Chark. It misses. The Bills then be able to drive down, get the uh, get the winning score. Went from that to now being able to con- uh, pretty much always convert on these sort of Big pressure, further and long situations, conversions to end games. We get them now. Sign of the growth that we've had in a year, which is great to see. Yeah, absolutely. It's a very high leverage play. And um, I think my want there for us to run the ball on third and nine is predicated on down and distance. So if it's third and four, if it's third and three, I just kind of think your chance of conversing there, I'm going to say on an average team is probably 50% or greater. 
But getting out to third and nine, you're kind of looking at maybe on an average team, 20, 20, 25%. I'm just playing the percentages on 100% of reps. I definitely keep the clock moving and I might get the first down, but let's put that down at 10% for a run. But then 10% more of the time I end the game. But if I don't do that, you've got 40 more seconds to win the game. I kind of just playing the percentages feel maybe the better decision is to run the ball. But the Lions are not the average high leverage team. And like you say, we're so good at when the pressure is on, picking a play that we know that they can execute and convert. And in Josh Reynolds and Amon Russell Brown and Sam Laporte, you've got three of the premier kind of short, short possession receivers. Yeah, exactly. So it is a smart decision, I think. My thinking often is just sort of in a vacuum, yeah. but we're not playing in a vacuum. So I think it was a really good decision in the end. Just on the Bruce Irving play, it completely changed game. I do feel like not necessarily that we end up losing the game if Derek Carr stays in the game, because if that stood as a sack, they would have been punting. And then we get the ball and maybe we do better on offense in that situation and they don't score a touchdown and so it's still a 12-point game. But I do think that Winston being in there really made it easier for us. So yeah. it's it's hard to say one way or the other. What is true and what isn't true about that rep is it isn't true, unlike what the commentator said on the game, that Bruce Irvin was trying to not put his body weight on the quarterback. There was... No attempt by Bruce Irvin to get away from that play. He absolutely planted him. It was a a horrifying rep. It wasn't just bad. It was teaching tape level worthy play for what not to do in the NFL. It caused risk of serious injury. It did cause potentially serious injury. And... You just don't want to see it. As as a fan of the Lions and having won this game and the fact that it might contribute to the win, part of my head is almost like the ends justify the means and I feel really horrible thinking that. And then the other way that I think of me as a neutral is that needs to be stamped out of the game. Like, sometimes the weight on the quarterback when you kind of fall on top of them, but it's a kind of soft landing sort of, I've got nowhere else to go. It's all gravy, like that shouldn't be called. But this was driving pressure through weight through the midriff of the course back it was rough um but there we go anyway i thought the lions did terrifically in that last set of of plays it was it was really really good Uh, i'm just going to take a moment to shout out a listener who uh, has messaged us on twitter and it's callum from yorkshire who has just dm'd us saying I'm a huge Lions fan from Yorkshire. It's great to see that the Lions are well-supported in the UK, and it's also good to see how well you support the Lions. I love all your content. Love listening to the pod from Skipton in North York, or near North Yorkshire. Uh, and me and my dad follow the games every weekend. And if you do want to get in touch with us and just say hello or whatever, then I'm normally running the, the Twitter, but anyone else, we're always happy to just chat. We're, we're yeah. really friendly people. And, you know, maybe, maybe get a chat as well. But I'm sure... American fans will be continually astounded by how good the support for the Lions is in the UK, hence why we are here. Right, some game themes, Ash. And the first one I have is the Lions struggling with Taysom Hill quarterback runs. Now, 
We identified it, much like every team has bloody identified it as an issue. And the Lions couldn't contain him for the most part. There are a few good reps in there, getting him down for a gain of one yard. Jack Campbell especially had a good day against him. But for the most part, we struggled, much like every team does. But considering he threw it twice, but ran it 15 times, surely you know what's coming and surely you should do better. You should, and I agree. We did a relatively good job, but yeah, because he's got the added element of being able to throw, you still have to respect that, and that's what kind of caused this. You always had, I think it was usually Barnes, sort of a bit further back, and that's what killed you because he doesn't have, he has that, he has to make up like sort of ground in a way to get to where Hill's going, and it just killed us, so they could just keep doing it, and and this might, I know, with who we're facing this week, it might cause a few fe- ruffles, a few feathers if we lose. If the Bears get a quarterback, that is the kind of role Justin, the Taysom Hill role is what Justin Fields could turn into for a team like San Francisco. I know they're trying to do it with Trey Lance. Or even, and I'm, it'd, be, it'd be funny in one way, but at the same time not. Imagine us having a Taysom Hill package of Justin Fields. That would be electric because, as Hill shows, there's a reason why, okay, he, sometimes he might only get like four or five points in fancy kind of thing. But once every couple of games, he just has that game where he's able to throw for like, run in a touchdown, throw for a touchdown, get about 60 yards on the ground, 60-yard passing. Is that kind of player. It's just... Just it's only the Saints that seem to run these kind of things consistently, and that hasn't been found out because it's just that obvious. Like you shut down the run, he can then just keep throwing to the tight ends. Like John Johnson, I know he dropped a couple. It's I don't know. It's just it just it, maybe it's also just a symptom of our defense. We just can't seem to handle rushing QBs, and I know that's a schematic problem across the league, only really defences can, etc, etc I can hear Jeremy roasting me for my question about this a couple of weeks ago, in my ears right now, we just need to be better, because everyone knew what was coming and yet we still couldn't stop it at points, and that's just not not good enough at this point Alright Lions struggling with the runs since the second quarter for Ragnall being out didn't help. Ash, you've kind of alluded to the Lions' struggles running the ball, especially between the tackles. I'm just having a look at PFF now to kind of get some information on this. And David Montgomery went for 3.1 yards of carry, which kind of tells you that trouble. But the Lions generally had problems running the ball looking at as a whole. They were efficient in that first quarter, but since then it was tough. They went 2.6 yards per carry after contact, which is well down on what you would expect. They only forced five missed tackles the entire game running the ball. And they were 4.7 yards per attempt. Sounds good. But one of them was the 37 and one of them was the 13. That's 50 of the 142 yards. Take them out. You're at three yards of carry. The Lions ran the ball four times off right tackle. Uh, The majority of players were on the right-hand side of the line. And they just couldn't get anything going at all, including, you know, getting conservative in the red zone and stuff. But when things aren't going their way, 
they don't find a way to do it on the ground and it puts big pressure on the passing game to succeed. Exactly, yeah. Like, Ragnar going down, obviously, is a big thing because he's such a good run blocker, controls, I think. And he does call out protections as well, so maybe that had an impact in terms of the hat count. But at the same time, number one, you should be able to see that the stack in the box and pivot, not only as a play caller, but a QB on the field, audible out of it, go for some outside zone, uh, outside stuff. But number two, you know you've got, you're at this point, your right-hand side is going to be severely weakened to what it should be. You're losing rank, and now you've got Glasgow technically out of position, and you've got a rookie in there. Like, call some plays that go to the left-hand side. I know Decker's not the run blocker that Saul is, but surely the combination of Decker and Jonah as a whole is better in terms of your run stuff than running it between uh, behind Sawsland and Saul. Like, and I know there was one play as well where we had Saul come from the right tackle to towards the left of block because they're stuck in the box. All the linebackers could see that and just stop flowing that way. So unless you're doing that as a distraction to counter off it and go with Gibbs the other side, it's going to get blown up like it did. Like, And then just some of the play calls as well. Like I know the one we were saying where we've got conservative in red zone, a draw to Montgomery on third and seven. We know, everyone knows we do that now. The reason it worked so well two years ago when we're doing it with Swift is number one, Monty is, an elusive, is elusive, but he's not Swift fast, like Swift slightly faster, a bit more elusive. Number two, because it's a dumb decision, no one, we rarely did it. Teams were caught off guard by it. At this point now where they've got two and a half slash three years of tape on it, they know it's one of the things we like to do on further and on to catch teams off guard. They're just going to play for it. And at the end of the day, we've kind of set it up so that even on third and long, play action is viable for us. Because for most teams, third and seven is like play action is going to be eaten up. No one's going to buy that you're running the ball. No, they will for us. One of the things they'll ID with us is that running on third and long is something we like to do. So play action pass should be on the table. And we don't do that yet. And maybe we're we're leaving it on the table for, for some time in about a month. But... I don't know. It just feels like it's a missing part of the puzzle sometimes. Third down, we never really seem to go play action very much. Exactly. And I don't I don't understand. Yeah, me neither. Well, obviously we did it when it counted at the end of the game, but on the third and nine. But even then, that's not imagine like you sort of got even like a third and four. Once you've got a third and four, everyone expects us to go up the middle with Montgomery. So what do you do? Do you play action where you have the sort of big set, you have Wright and Laporte there, and you do a play action pass where Wright just runs a crossing route along the sticks, across the formation, and then you have Laporte running like a corner that sort of goes out in 10 yards. Teams will be caught off guard that, that you've got two easy throws for Goff, and then let's say you've got, I don't know, you've got someone in as a fullback, he's an easy check down in case there's pressure, and maybe you can get some open space and do some stuff. Such an easy play that's literally copied from Madden. I think it's one of the goal line packages in Madden. You can do that. So there's an existing play. Start doing some of that stuff. Even on the further, as you say, further longs is obviously there, but further and short as well, because you say teams expect us to run on third down because that's our identity. Start to sort of play off type to use teams betting on that run against them. And we just don't right now. All right. Uh, McNeil injury, a cause of concern. And I mean, he 
got injured, looked like he was really struggling at some point, kind of hobbled off the field, returned for a significant part of the game, but looked like he was in trouble. We were rotating him out a bit earlier than we would expect, especially on pass rushing downs. We were taking him out, whereas he seemed to feature before that. Anything that required him getting up the field, we didn't have him in there for. He was there as maybe the best run tackler we have on the team in the centre of the field, Ash. But I have to think that it because we had so many DTs inactive, we were forced to play him in that situation where in a perfect world, we'd have shut him down saying, you're more important to us for the rest of the season. But unfortunately, because of what we've done roster-wise, we're forcing him to play and it risks further injury. I don't know what his status is. We are waiting for Dan Campbell to hit the podium in about 15 minutes time now, but it made me very uncomfortable. Yeah, same. Like, you've stole pretty much my words out of the mouth with the whole inactives thing. Having three true interior defensive line, let's say, because obviously I know Kamish, Pascal, Romeo, um, Hutch, to an extent, can all play inside if we need them to. Only having Aleem, Benito Jones, and Quinta Bohanna, who's a practice squad call-up, active, isn't good for what we know is a high intensity, high impact in terms of on the body position. Don't know what's going on with Gibbs, uh, not Gibbs, Bugs. Same fucking name's got to take Bugs. Don't know what's going on there, but we need to sort it out ASAP because if we're not going to play him because of something, we need to cut base at this point because Aleem's injured. We need someone, even if it's someone you sign off free agency or practice squad, just another body there because you can't just have dead weight on this roster now. That's why, obviously, I know he played a bit in this game, but if and when CJG J comes back, it's someone like a Bugs or a Naraski that's going because we need, at this point now, going into playoffs, we need a 50, a regular 50. Well, 50, if actually, we need a 53. We know if push comes to the shove, can play meaningful snaps for us in a game. We can't be taking Deadwood Wood with us now on the roster. Now we're getting to, towards the heaviest part of the season because let's say Aleem is out for a couple of weeks. Can we trust a Quinta Bahana to play 80% of snaps? Can we trust Benito? Can we trust Broderick? Can we trust Levi? No, we need someone in there, even if it's low-level vet who takes about what signs like a one-year, like a one-year $800,000 contract. Not it's not the greatest thing in the world, but at least he's started somewhere and he can offer you something in the middle. We need to do that now because we just do. Like we're getting injured. We get, Liam's injured. Don't know what's happened with Bugs with his injury. Levi, what's going on there? Broderick, I know they're having to season him and, and he's not ready yet. We might need to start throwing him. So I know it's one of the questions we're going to come to a bit with Sawstall, but we might need to start putting Broderick into the fire and just say, okay, I know you're going to make mistakes here, but this might be good for you in the future and we just need you to play. We need you to get these game reps now because we don't have that much more on the defensive line right now. And obviously we trade up for him, so there's got to be something now for us to like. It's time to start maybe see what we're getting there because we can't just keep playing Galeem on a majority of snaps because this is what happens. You get injuries because you're just playing that amount of snaps. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, so Quinton Bohanna's now out of elevations, so it seems yeah. like signing him is a no-brainer. He's played exactly. well enough to do it. If we cut 
Isaiah Bugs, we lose $400,000 of cap. That is what it costs us to cut him. And at this point in time, it seems worth it. We'll have $2.5 million left in cap space. We can sign Bohanna to a Vetmin deal, which isn't $850,000 because it's prorated. We're 12 games out of 17 way through the season. It'll be a deal for about 250 grand. But that's fine. Just do that. Like, yeah, no problem at this point. The issue is that that isn't really enough. And actually, defensive tackle is one of those places where you can find someone passable in free agency at this time. So keep scouring the market. See what you can do. There's some money you can move around if you want to do it. Find someone that you're happy with. Um, yeah, it just it, it something needs to happen so that if this happens again to McNeil, or if McNeil is, God forbid, out for the next game, which... You know, I wouldn't be surprised given what happened to him in the game. Like low ankle we're in, yeah, we're in big trouble come next week against Chicago and a team that run the ball pretty damn hard. We need everyone like a lean we can get our hands on. So uh this isn't really a game theme, but it's just something I want to touch on. And it seems like a lot of people have identified this, but for me, I don't think it was terrifically obvious, especially looking at the stat line. Goff, 16 completions for 200-odd yards and two touchdowns doesn't seem remarkable. But, Ash, given Saulstall being on the line, not having his best day again, giving up pressures, uh, the line not protecting him pretty well, you know, he was under pressure a lot. He... Made a few bad decisions, almost got picked a couple of times, but they weren't egregiously bad throws. A couple of bad decisions in terms of checking down into places that were kind of covered. But on the whole, he stepped out of pressure really well. He bought himself some time. He delivered some fantastic completions in the game. It was an understated, low-key, excellent game by a quarterback who has been much maligned over the past two games. You've gone from three games ago, pretty much everyone at least reluctantly saying, yeah, he's probably got an extension, to, so when's Hooker coming back? And he he needed a good day, maybe just so the fans would get off his back. And that's why I say low-key, because I don't think it's been good enough to get off his back yet. But it was a big step in the right direction. Exactly, and... It was actually it's actually one of the clips I've got planned to post tomorrow on our TikTok is the one from last week's review show where we discuss about Goff getting rattled by that pressure. Because in the past two games, obviously against the Bears and Packers, six turnovers in the uh, in two games from Goff specifically. That wasn't good enough. The fact that even I know obviously yeah, he made a couple of bad decisions and he did have some turnover over plays. The fact he didn't turn over the ball. I was still, for the most part, able to keep the offence going. That's all I needed from Goff this game, really. Just that step back into the right direction. That hopefully, now we've faced this bad defence once, we see what they're kind of about. Hopefully, we'll be able to make some adjustments in the game plan. Next week, because the Bears, I know obviously they had the free picks against us and that. They're not an all-pro defence. They're not that good. We should be able to have some of our, make some of our plays against them. This is what we need. We need to start getting off the momentum back because you say in a month's time, we're reading the crunch time where we might be heading into, well, 
we should be heading into the playoffs and the wild card round playing against probably what's going to be the sixth seed because we're probably going to be the three seed at this point. We need this momentum where, because as soon as you get in the playoffs, it's one and done. You need the mo- all the moments you can get. You can't afford risky turnovers, offense stalling outs. To have Goff sort of get back on that track after the sort of dip of the past couple of weeks, start getting back on track. So the Goff we saw three, four weeks ago, who, as you say, pretty much everyone could agree, deserves an extension. That's the kind of Goff we need late December, January. And it's good to see slowly but surely getting back to that. Uh, next one I have, and maybe it feeds into the cigars we're going to come to after this, but just young guys stepping up once again for the Lions on both offense and defense. You have a look at the players of the game, and Sam Laporta is obviously the one that jumps off the page. Rookie tight end, nine catches on nine targets for over 100 yards. Can't win the game without him. Uh, otherwise, Saul obviously had a good game too. He's still a young man. J-Mo had a really good day. Amon Ra had one of his worst days in some time, and he still got a touchdown. Gibbs had a really good day, too. On the defense, there was... Um, I mean, Aleem still hasn't been paid yet. He's still on a rookie deal. Pascal was fantastic. Jack Campbell had his best game as a pro. Barnes Kirby had a reasonable day. Barnes had a really good day. I don't care what the... Um, what the yeah. PFF grades say on that regard. He was the second lowest graded defensive player, but I thought he did really well. Kaminsky saved the touchdown, but was the lowest graded player on defense. Um, Brian Branch had a pick and had a really good tip that ended up being a good play for the Saints, but it was a fantastic play on the ball. I thought he was good in coverage. I thought Jacobs got burned on a couple of plays, but I thought he had a really good couple of plays in run defense, especially. He came up and aggressively attacked Alvin Kamara, which we thought was going to be one of the difficulties in this game for us. I thought Rodrigo was fine on defense. I didn't think he was amazing, but I thought he was pretty good. For all of the players that stepped up, Ash, I mean, Hutchinson as well. I mean, how do you forget that guy? The Lions have rookies and guys on rookie contracts stepping up in abundance. Yep. And that's what we, that's what good teams have because that's what you need to be a really good team in the league these days is really good talent on cheap deals. And that's what we have right now. I know obviously in the next couple of years, we're going to pay Amara, we're going to pay Saul, they're going to start getting expensive. But right in the book, Obviously, we've shown the past three years we can draft this time, we'll be able to recycle. And that's what we need to be a consistent good team. It's what the Ravens have done for Donkey's years. It's what the 49ers have done for the past couple of years. It's what the Eagles have done for the past couple of years. It's what the Bengals have really I'm going to include the Bengals because they've obviously done it with Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, some of the players on defense. It's what they do. These sort of perennial playoff contending teams that start the season, they're usually the ones you'll penciling in for the playoffs. Most of the time, they're really good drafters because they're able to get the... And they're usually good at the end of the drafts as well. Like that, And that's how, obviously, our pride and joy is getting these day-free players who step in and make and contribute in their first years. That's what we need to be good going forward. It's really good to see it starting, coming to shape. That all the key players in this team, aside from Goff, rookie, like rookie contract guys, it's really good to see. 
Right, it's time to hand out the cigars. Ash, I'm going to hand it over to you because I know low-key you've been absolutely frothing at the mouth at having all of your players taken from you. I'm going to give you the first overall pick here. Let's choose a few and and, and not yeah. be shy about this. Well, it's the guy I mentioned yesterday and it's the uh, and it's the guy who made his plays on defence and special teams. Jalen Reeves, maybe. Like, I know some members of the panel when we re-signed him in the off-season after him going getting the payday in Houston sort of flopping there or like a bit, I don't know why he's been signed. Is it just for the special teams? That's why, like, he is our second best coverage linebacker. I know he technically didn't get, he didn't technically register anything on PFF for coverage despite the pass breakup against Alvin Kamara. Oh, he did. Oh, he did. I'm misreading it. Sorry, I'm looking at Aline. I'm like a dum-dum. He, uh, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't have a PBU. Does uh, have a PFF. Yeah, you're right. I knew I was misreading it. Oh, I don't know how. PFF sometimes mystify me. But he made plays in coverage, using athleticism and quick twitch reactions, which help him on special teams. He used it. This why Anzalone was such a good blitzing in coverage because he's caught of, he might be not be the quickest guy in terms of 4-3 speed, but in terms of the sort of quick snap with judgments and that he's able to do, it helped him so much today. Special teams, he recorded the most special teams tackles for a player in one half for a Lions. I think it's either this season or in NFL, uh, like Lions history. That's mad. And then still made plays on defense. That's why we signed him. And I'm so glad we did. 76.9 grade for Jaden Reeves Maven on defense. He had 20 snaps total, 12 in coverage, and he was our second highest graded player in coverage. Also had a pressure and a quarterback hit as well as two assisted tackles on defense. He was all over the field and a really big reason why the Lions got off to a hot start. Uh, my guy is going to be first pick is Jack Campbell. I said just now that it was his best game as a pro. I haven't actually verified that by looking at all of the stats. In fact, it was... Earlier. He... No. Uh, oh. no he... So he had a 74.4 grade yesterday. He had a 74.4 grade against Green Bay. So back-to-back, similarly graded um, games. So that is really impressive by him. He is elevating his grade. He had some really difficult assignments early on in the season against Carolina and against Baltimore. He really didn't have good days. And people were saying, you know, what are we doing here? What's going on with him? This is not what we expected from our... Rookie first rounder, didn't have a good day against Chicago just two games ago. And then stacks great games together. And it comes with Anzalone being out. With Anzalone being out, Campbell needed to have a good day for us to have a chance of winning this game. And he was all over the place, especially in the first half. He was the guy first of the ball most of the time. You can really see the difference between Jack playing the mic and not. So as much as I thought Anzalone was... One of the best linebackers in the NFL this year. It is refreshing given the opportunity to see Jack stack a good day on another good day. Ash, another guy yeah. for you, perhaps? Uh, Josh Pascal. Like, again, didn't grade out too well by PFF, 72.4. But 72.4 tackling grade, 69, nice. Run defense grade, 65.5 pass rush grade. He is, as I said earlier... He's starting to show that potential of why we drafted him in the second round last year. I know obviously he was a bit unheralded, and even I, I posed Eric a question on Twitter when we drafted him. 
could he put on 10, 15 pounds and move inside permanently? And Eric was like, no, you're losing that quick twitch, uh, quick twitch first step that really helps in pass rush and run defend. We're starting to see that happen now. Last year, got hindered by injuries, obviously sports hernia, and I think it was an ankle injury. Now he's starting to get consistent snaps and he's had that first proper off-season of training. He's starting to bear fruits now and I'm just so happy to see it for him. My second guy, I'm really struggling with who to pick. Let's take the low-hanging fruit and say Sam Laporta. Um, I didn't list him actually to Ash as one of my guys earlier on today just because I don't like taking the obvious guy. But what a season he is having for himself. It, I mean, so it, was his high, it goes without saying it was his highest grade of game. His first 90 grade of his career. His uh, highest games otherwise, 80.1 against Atlanta in week three. 79.3 against Seattle in week two. So it's been some time since he's had a high 70s grade, never mind into the 90s. Overall grade for the season is 74.7 now. He is not far away from being on course for the NFL record for receiving yards for a tight end. He is going to break, as long as he stays healthy, the reception number of receptions record. You cannot overstate how much of a big impact he's made. And given what we traded last season and what how high we picked him, you know, third pick in the second round, very high. And he was tight end four consensus. And he's been an absolute revelation. And long may that continue. He's got terrifically safe hands. In fact, what we saw from him yesterday was what, we all heard he was doing in pre-season that we really hadn't seen. It wasn't that he was inconsistent. It wasn't that he was showing bad hands. He's been fantastic all the way through the year. But what we heard in pre-season was that he wasn't dropping a pass, that he looked like a seasoned pro, that he was going to be a really big problem for people. And he's been a factor, but he hasn't been game-breaking until now. And this is just what he can do. With Amon Ra and him, everyone's in trouble in the NFL. Yep, and I've, I've seen a stat earlier, I can't remember, but it's roughly 51 yards a game he needs now to break Mike Dicker's record for rookie receiving for a tight end. That's doable. That's really doable. And I'm just saying that as a Sam Laporta fantasy owner, TM, love it. But he has just been so good. I, met, I think it was in the locker room yesterday, Goff was saying about it. It's like he has not been like a rookie to him. He has been like a seasoned pre- uh, vet and it's... That the anybody said it's not the first time. So obviously he's having that sort of Amara level connection where they just one day just get onto the same page. It just clicks. That's what's happening now, and it's so good for us because as we saw this week, Saints focused on Amara. He got a lot of targets, didn't catch that much because they were blanket coveraging him. So what do we do now? We have another consistent option over the middle who can do stuff for us. So we just go to him. And he stepped up to the plate like we needed him to. So, hell, I might echo what some of the guys in the POD said. If he gets all pro votes at tight end this year, I would not be surprised. Not just pro bowl, all pro. He's been that damn good this season for me. Yeah, no argument from me. Why don't Why don't you do one more? I'm having fun with this. See, I was going to do, I will preface, I was going to do the meme answer of saying Jake McQuaid with his elite well, he's nearly past uh, PFF special teams grade, which I've worked out wise because he made a tackle on one of the punt returns. So that probably really helped him 
Instead, I'm going to go for someone who, especially, I don't want to call out the DLP, but they have kind of been lower on him, rightfully, because they were pointing out Jerry had a higher grade than him so far this season. But Cam Sutton had a really damn good game yesterday. Like, obviously, 70, I'm going to quote the PFF grade again, 74.1, 72 coverage grade. In coverage, he allowed, uh, so he had two targets, no receptions and a PBU for uh, 39.6 pass NFL passer rater allowed. This is kind of the guy we saw when we signed him to this free agency contract. This is the kind of guy we were looking for. This is what we signed him to be. And he's finally showing it again because obviously he had that really good game against the Bucks. Since then, it's kind of been inconsistent at best. It's nice to see him sort of get back to where he was earlier this season, sort of being that guy that he didn't really notice because he was doing his job that well, rather than you didn't really notice him because he's way off the picture with the person he's supposed to be covering. So it was really nice to see him step up. Just to say with Sam Laporta and the uh, All-Pro votes, he's sixth in qualifying tight ends with PFF grade at the moment. He is third in the NFC behind George Kittle at one and TJ Hawkinson at four. Actually, sorry, no, there is another NFC tight end ahead of Sam Laporta. Do you want to try and guess who that is? Johnny Smith. No. No. Is it sort of Cole Komet? No. Oh, God. From an unfancied team, a player that I believe you liked quite a bit in the draft cycle last year. Jake Ferguson. No. He's ninth. He's not far away. Is it is it Dallas though? Is it a Dallas is it a no. Dallas title? No, NFC West. Trey McBride. Yeah, of course it of yep. course it is, because he had that massive game yesterday. I did like I did like Trey. Oh Trey. Yeah, uh, I knew see, you liked now, him. Yeah, now yeah. you're making me remember all my draft tight end draft cushions from last year, and I feel sad. <laughs> oh. All right, my last <laughs> pick for a cigar. Can it be anyone else? It has yes. to be. It has to be Romeo. Romeo had nine snaps on defense. He had himself two pressures, a sack, and a hurry. He also had a run stop. Now, it's only nine reps. He got himself a 90.2 grade, but when you get two pressures on those nine reps, you're going to score pretty highly. But if I have a look at what he's done so far this season, he's got 10 pressures on 93 uh, uh, pass rush snaps. One in every nine. Like, considering that we've been struggling for pass rush, that's passable it is almost as many reps as he's taken throughout the last two seasons he had 119 last year in an injury hit year and 188 the season before in an injury hit year the season before that in 2020 he had 10 sacks and 61 total pressures his grade was 68.8 his defense grade is 77.6 he is playing according to PFF, significantly better than when we had a 61 pressure player with 10 sacks. And in a, in a, you know, we are struggling big time for someone alongside Aiden Hutchinson to bookend things to create pressure. Now, Harris has been okay, but not great. Kaminsky has filled in, I think, 
well, although people don't talk about him, and actually he has gone off the boil a little bit, it's time to give Romeo more reps. It's time to give him a lot more reps. He keeps delivering. And, you know, the thing about him is that he never has a bad game. When you put him out there, he's not any sort of liability. He hasn't had a, a grade below 55 all year. And for a peripheral player, that's really good. So you found your answer at defensive end, at least for now, when free agency and draft are a way away. You've got your answer in front of you. Use it. Right. That, sorry. Yep. Obviously, Dan's at the podium. He has dropped some Frank Ragnar news. And I've got an exact quote. I feel more than anything we've got good news, but that doesn't mean he will be available this week. I'll take it. <laughs> I'll take it. I, I was just praying it wasn't a season ender because so Frank got rolled up on by Jonah Jackson. Um, it looked like one of those that could have twisted the knee somewhat, could have been AC. an ACL. That was what yeah. everyone was fearing. Um, so if it's not that, then that is absolutely fantastic news. Fingers crossed for that. Right. We are going to talk about the rest of Sunday's games and we are going to get to our questions from our live audience at the end of this show and we are going to wrap this up now. So if you want extra time with me and Ash and the rest of the Royal Lions gang, you need to check us out live on YouTube and Twitch. We try to keep to regular hours, normally half past two Eastern time on Monday and Thursday. If we've got some scheduling conflicts, we will let you know, hopefully well in advance. So you can see our our, uh, schedule always on YouTube as we try to put the exact times and we keep to them when they're up there. So check that out and you will get some extra time with us. Next episode, I've put the wrong things, which is not ideal. Our preview show is going to be Friday this week. Bears preview show Friday this week and the college football podcast coming later on this week, the championship games review, college football playoff reaction, bowl game previews, maybe some mock drafts, other bits and pieces to look out for. So please do do that. Ash, did you have some news there? Because you were celebrating somewhat. Anzalone might be back this week. So that's good fucking news. Hallelujah. Right, you can follow us on our socials on Royal Alliance UK on YouTube, Twitch, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And the group for worldwide fans is Detroit Lions Fans UK One Pride Worldwide. If you are a member of that group already, I'm sure you will have seen that our very own Ryan Farden went out to New Orleans for the game. There were some fantastic videos on there. Come and join the group. It's just another Facebook group, but actually it's got some really great personalities on there. Uh, Website, rawthelinesuk.com or rotluk.com. And don't forget to subscribe, rate us five stars, all those small bits that you can do to really help us out. Uh, for Ash, I'm Matthew Turner, and the Lions are 9-3. and three. That is second in the NFL. Long may that continue. Let's go, Lions. One pride. One pride and fuck the college playoff committee. <laughs> <laughs>